Welcome back to the Path of Longevity show, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Lufkin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Stephen Sidoroff. Before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about some new free online masterclasses that Steve and I are offering. For example, we know that inflammation drives all chronic diseases and aging. That's why it's called inflammaging. But we're now learning that this inflammaging can be reversed. And one of our masterclasses will spell out the top four ways to reverse it. If you're interested, see the link in the show notes. And now back to this week's episode. In this segment today, I want to share with you some of the teaching points about lifestyle tools that I use in my teaching program, my coaching program, to help people actually reverse their inflammation. In fact, these are some of the tools that I use myself and I've found them to be very effective. And the great thing about these tools is that you can start using them today. So let's start off first and talk about exercise. Now, we all know that exercise is important and healthy, but I didn't get how important it actually is. The other distinction that I wasn't aware of was it is important to have both physical as well as mental exercise for reversing these inflammaging factors. So not just for exercise, but for all the lifestyle changes that we're talking about in this program, there's an overriding principle that, that was certainly key for me, and that was accountability. I mean, if you're like me, I'll listen to a presentation like this, and maybe I'll agree with the ideas, and maybe I'll try it for a week or so, but you know, after a week, I'll go back to my own patterns and really not follow the, the recommendations at all. So accountability is a powerful tool that you can use your family and friends to help you stay on track with the lifestyle ch changes that you choose to make. And we'll show you some accountability tricks in this uh, as well. So let's start with physical exercise. Now, too much we're finding is actually can be harmful too. Uh, but for most of us, that's not the problem. It's more a problem of too little, not enough. So start gradually. You know, for me, it was walking a little bit each day. And then, and then for me, I set goals that would, uh, that then I could be held accountable for my friends. So for, for example, what I did is I went to a local uh, store, like a Costco, and I got an exercise bike there. And then I started telling my friends about it. I've got this exercise bike and I'm going to commit to riding a certain amount every day. And I hooked it up to a free website and they're, they're, dozens of them out there. The one I happened to use was Strava.com, but there are many others. Uh, and, and then I told my friends that I'm committing to riding you know, so many miles a day. And furthermore, they could actually go to the website and check it out. Then the next level, I linked Strava to another free website, which was a charity website that raises money for, for any charity you want. I, I happened to pick Alzheimer's disease. And I committed to raising uh, money for Alzheimer's disease by riding 3,000 miles virtually on this exercise bike across America. And, um, and that's what I did. And my friends held me accountable. And at, at the end of the year or so, um, I had ridden the 3,000 miles. So I wanted to keep going. So I, I changed the website to make it a commitment to ride across America and back, which was 6,000 miles. 
And uh, <laughs> as of this morning, I am now at over 7,000 miles. So I have to, I'm changing, I'm thinking about a charity ride around the earth for 24,000 miles. That should, that should last me for a while. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. And I'll, I'll put the links in here. You can check them out and you can add yours as well. So that's physical exercise. Now, mental exercise is equally important, if not more so. And it works by mechanism of increasing neuroplasticity and certain compounds, which physical exercise also helps, like BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. But all these things tend to lower inflammaging. So a couple things. With, with mental exercise, I mean, we're using our brains all the time. So aren't we exercising? Well, actually, it, it turns out, no, it turns out that certain types of mental exercise are better. In other words, active mental exercise, rather than watching a TV show, read a book or doing something like that. So rather than listening to music, uh, sing along with the music, or if you can play an instrument, actually get up and perform to it or dance to it, and then you combine some physical exercise as well. And, the, and one of the gold standard approaches that I tried is learning a new language. And today with the internet, there are so many free applications uh, for learning languages. All you have to do is just pick one and then make commitments so that your friends can hold you accountable. And the language I always wanted to learn was Mandarin Chinese. So I, uh, I took a, a free app. This one's called Duolingo, uh, but they're there are dozens of free ones out there. This is just the one I happen to do. And then I committed to my friends that I would study Chinese every single day for five to ten minutes a day. But I would do it every day. <laughs> that was the commitment. And Duolingo kept track of it. And it held me accountable. And my friends held me accountable. And today I'm, I'm over a thousand days and going on. Uh, so, you know, I'm not fluent, but at least I have a beginning to have an understanding of the language. Then the next level, what you do is you take your AI assistant, whether it's Surrey or Alexa or Google. Hey, Google. And for me, it's Siri. So I, I switch Siri so that she only understands Mandarin Chinese. So now that holds me accountable because I have to get my pronunciation at least vaguely close to what Siri can understand. And it forces me to keep up with my Mandarin. So now if I want to set a timer for 20 minutes on my phone and I say, hey, Siri, set a timer for 20 minutes nothing happens because <laughs> she doesn't understand English anymore. So I have to say, uh, hey, Siri, ding, shi, chi, ar, shi, fun, zhong. And sure enough, the timer is set for 20 minutes. The next level step, which I haven't done yet, but of course, is to set the operating system of your computer or your laptop to the language that you're studying so that it only uh, <laughs> responds to that. But I'm, I'm, I'm still getting to that point. <laughs> The last uh, one other lifestyle thing I'll mention is something that I had uh, completely misunderstood too, and that was that was sleep, and it's important in inflammation. I, I mean, I thought I had sleep figured out. As as a medical doctor, I used to carry a pager, and I was on call sometimes twenty four hours a day or even seven days a week. And I was proud to be called at all hours. I thought it made me strong and tough. And, but now I realized that it actually was making me sick through mechanisms of inflammation and other, other uh, mechanisms as well. And I was putting my patients at risk. When I was a resident, we routinely did 48-hour shifts in the intensive care unit. Uh, 
In 2011, though, they changed the rules and first-year medical residents were limited to no more than 16 consecutive hours per day. Interestingly, when they studied this, medical errors resulting in patient deaths reversed by almost or declined by almost two-thirds. Sadly, in 2017, this rule was overturned and now residents can be scheduled up to 24 hours straight. There's increasing evidence that inflammation and risk of chronic disease increases dramatically when you get either too much or too little sleep. And the question is, what is the sweet spot and how narrow is the window? Well, it actually, the evidence is growing that it's a fairly narrow window of eight or nine hours of sleep that you need to avoid these harmful effects and inflammation as well on the other side. So sorry, Elon, you probably need more than four hours of sleep and are, and are, we're all the worse for it if we don't get it. So how do I know I'm getting enough sleep? Um, well, one thing I've started doing is if I require an alarm clock to wake up, for me, it's a sign I'm probably not getting enough sleep. So most nights I don't have an alarm clock and I just wake up when I've had enough sleep. And that, that certainly works. So quantity of sleep is important. There's one other thing about sleep we have to watch out and that is quality as well. Sleep quality matters. It's, um, like like in this picture, who is likely getting good quality sleep? Well, the dog obviously is, but the man, not so much. Mouth breathing like he's doing or snoring can be a sign of poor sleep hygiene. Um, the, the mouth breathing can indicate obstructive uh, airway disease or sleep apnea. And there, there are numerous fitness apps that can help track your sleep quality and alert you of these possible things, all the way from Fitbits to battery-powered uh, oxygenation devices. I'll just leave you with one last thing. Sometimes falling asleep is the challenge. So it's, I've, I find it very valuable to have sleep rituals, go to sleep at the same time. I read a book every night before I go to sleep for a little bit. No electronic devices. Uh, and then the last thing I'll share with you is the four, seven, eight rule, which changed my life. Basically, it's a relaxation technique where you breathe in for your mouth for a count of four. And then hold your breath for a count of seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then relax and exhale slowly for a count of eight. And repeat. <laughs> and this, at least for me and for many, many people, uh, this is a very effective te technique. <laughs> many people fall asleep in under 60 seconds when they start doing this. So please try it and let me know how it works. Anyway, that's it for today's uh, mini talk. Please enjoy the rest of uh, today's program and we'll catch you later. Today, we'll focus on measurement and biomarkers of health, aging, and longevity. Measurement is a key to behavioral and physical improvement. It's important to know where you're at right now, your starting point. This gives you a baseline. From this point, you can determine your progress in getting healthier and more resilient. If you get your baseline and then engage in healthy behaviors and then retest yourself, you're able to determine the effects of your new behaviors you can see clearly your improvement. This, uh, in a sense, reinforces your hard work. So you can say to yourself, wow, these behaviors are paying off. 
I need to continue because now I'm going to expect continued success. It helps you be motivated and keeps you on the path of developing more healthy behaviors, thinking, and attitude. At the same time, it's important to guard against self-judgment or discouragement if a measure indicates some impairment or poor functioning. The best approach, as difficult as it might be, is to be accepting of whatever the measurement shows. Accepting doesn't mean you like it. It simply means this is my current reality. In the moment, I can't make it any different, so I might as well be accepting of this reality. I emphasize this because any bad score can be discouraging, particularly if you're someone who gets down on yourself. This then makes it even more difficult to make positive changes in your life. In fact, a key to emotional health is acceptance of whatever reality you're dealing with. Many go into regret or self-crimination about past behaviors or mistakes. This only undermines your ability to do it right in the moment. Therefore, it's important to let go of past mistakes as quickly as possible to give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. There's a saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. If you have a chronic condition, getting upset or down about it, becoming depressed or anxious, even though that may be the tendency, will only make things worse. Remember, we've been talking about the mind-body connection. Your emotional state has a direct impact on how your body functions and how well it's able to heal itself. As difficult as it might be, this doesn't change the reality that coming from either a place of acceptance or cultivating a positive outlook and expectation will help your body go into a better state of calm, and this, in turn, will facilitate the healing process. I like to say that no matter what you are dealing with, there is always a best way. When you realize this, it already sends your thoughts in the right direction as you engage the process of looking for that best way. It's up to you and it's up to all of us to find this best way. This attitude, one that's positive, but more importantly, one that supports persistence and engagement and not giving up is a key component of success in healthy aging and longevity. So let's take a look at some of these biomarkers and measurements. And in general, you want to be thinking about how you could measure your current behaviors, level of uh, health. Uh, you know, in the path of longevity, we emphasize the importance of measurement, whether it's biological markers, whether it's getting blood tests, or whether it's psychological markers, such as looking at your stress response from a physiological perspective and seeing how your body responds to stress. This notion of measurement, this notion of where am I right now? Let me get grounded in where I'm at right now so that I can now see 
how my behaviors, how my uh, interventions actually show improvement is most important. So let's dive into this today. This is for general information and educational purposes only, and it's not intended to constitute or substitute for medical advice or counseling. The practice of medicine or the provision of health care diagnosis or treatment or the creation of a physician, patient, or clinical relationship. The use of this information is at their own, uh, own user's risk. If you find this to be on the value of, please hit that like button to subscribe to support the work that we do on this channel. And we take the, your suggestions and advice very seriously, so please let us know what you'd like to see on this channel. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next time.